everyone, it's Natasha Crane. In today's episode, I'm going to share with you from an article I wrote a while back called One of the Greatest Gifts to Give Your Kids This Easter is a Sense of Hopelessness. And I have to say, it was so funny to me after I wrote this originally, I got all these emails and, and social media comments from people saying, is that a typo? Don't you mean that you need to give your kids a sense of hopefulness? And I said, no, no, you have to actually read the article to see what I mean. Our kids really do need to have a sense of hopelessness about this world. So that's what I want to talk about with you today and share with you in this Easter week. A few months ago, I experienced a moment of personal insight that really transformed how I think about faith, and it happened while debating whether or not I should go to the grocery store, strangely enough. It was mid-morning on a weekday. My kids were at school, and I was at my computer working. I hadn't had the time for breakfast that day, and my stomach started to rumble. As my thoughts turned to food, I realized I needed to go grocery shopping. I actually enjoy the grocery store, so I started thinking about all the delicious things that I would buy for the week and the dinners that I'd make. But first, I had to eat something. So I heated up some leftovers from dinner, my favorite kind of breakfast, and promptly experienced a food coma from the abundance of morning calories. When I sat back down at my computer, I audibly sighed and thought to myself, "Ugh, I don't want to go to the grocery store. I'm not even hungry now. I actually laughed out loud at the absurdity of my own thought. What does hunger have to do with needing groceries at any given time? And why had I looked forward to everything I could buy just 30 minutes before, whereas now grocery shopping felt like a chore? I thought of that seemingly trivial moment dozens of times over the last few months because it's such an appropriate analogy for the role of desire in a person's spiritual life. If you spend any time around Christians, you'll hear about the, quote, hope we have in Jesus. But it occurred to me that fateful grocery shopping day that we're often trying to offer people, including our kids, something they're not even hungry for. You see, in order to hunger for hope, a person needs to first have a sense of hopelessness. To see why that's the case, I want you to imagine for a moment that there's new hope that a cure for a very rare disease you've never even heard of will be found this year. One day, you come across a group of people meeting at a park whose lives have all been impacted by the disease. They joyfully share about the hope we all have that the cure is coming soon, and they invite you to join their group to have that hope as well. How interested in this hope do you think you'd be? While you might be happy for the people who need the cure, the personal hope you'd experience probably wouldn't motivate you to suddenly be as joyful as those who had personally experienced the hopelessness of not having it. There's an important difference, of course, between the hope of a cure for a disease that only some people have and the hope that we have in Jesus. Jesus is the cure for a disease every human has, sin and death. Theoretically, that means we should all care deeply about the hope of eternal life in Jesus. But as parents, we often see that our kids don't seem to care as greatly about their faith as we would want. They embrace the hope we keep giving them in Jesus as much as you might embrace the hope of a cure for a disease you're not too concerned about, lukewarmly and from a distance. That brings me back to grocery shopping. Objectively speaking, I knew I needed groceries that day, whether I was hungry or not. But I didn't have the desire to shop because I wasn't hungry for what I needed. Similarly, there's a lot keeping kids in our culture full today. Even if they're Christians, there's a good chance they aren't hungering for the hope of eternal life. Why is that? Well, most of us have our basic needs of food and shelter met. 
We have the logistical luxury of getting almost anything we could want at the push of a button. We value material wealth and we prioritize its pursuit. We glorify sports. We idolize entertainment. We're consumed with social media. In other words, we are thoroughly distracted by what this life has to temporarily offer us. If the things of this life don't seem so bad to kids, and on the flip side, they seem quite enticing, why should they cling tightly to the hope of what happens after they die? They feel like they've got a pretty good thing going on right now. This explains quite well why we hear about kids dying with cancer who have a rock-solid faith that many healthy adult Christians lack. And it explains why Christians in the poorest countries of the world often seem to express a joy and hope in Christ that's frequently missing in America. When people have had their earthly distractions removed, often without choice, they come face to face with the utter hopelessness of what the world has to offer and they hunger for something more. And when their hunger is filled by the hope of eternal life with Jesus, there is joy, joy whereby all earthly appearances, no joy should be found. This realization has left me with a parenting dilemma in recent months. I admittedly don't want to force my kids into a desperate situation in order for them to hunger for hope, but I've realized I need to do a better job of helping them have a healthy sense of earthly hopelessness. At Easter time, perhaps more than any other time, we talk about the hope that we have in Jesus. But if we want our kids to actually care about that hope, this is also the perfect week to talk about the hopelessness of the world. The whole COVID pandemic has given us an unusually powerful opportunity to do so. Suddenly, many of our distractions got stripped away in the last year. We were confronted with suffering and the fragility of life in a way that most of our kids have never before experienced, and nor have most of us. We need to help our kids fully appreciate this moment. So here's what I want my kids to know this Easter. Number one, In an atheistic worldview, in other words, in a worldview in which there is no God, there is no ultimate hope. If God doesn't exist, there are several logical implications that come from that. For example, life is just an accident with no objective meaning. We're just chemical specks in a vast and different universe with no more inherent value than rocks. There's little reason to believe that we can freely make choices. There's no such thing as free will if there are just physical laws acting upon us. No one should live in any particular way because it makes no moral difference. There's no objective morality. Furthermore, no one has a responsibility to anyone else because we're just molecules in motion with no moral obligations. There's no such thing as objective moral evil, so we can't even condemn the worst actions of society as objectively wrong. No one should want these things to be true. But we should want our kids to understand how hopeless such a world would be. If God doesn't exist, then we experience enormous suffering during difficulties like the coronavirus. And that's just the end of the story. Large groups of molecules in motion, people, are simply disintegrating into the earth more quickly than we collectively expected. Who cares? Big deal. Most kids have never thought through the logical implications of an atheistic worldview like this. In my experience, honestly, a lot of atheists haven't either. We need to draw the connections for them so they can fully appreciate what would be true if God wasn't actually there. Utter hopelessness. Number two, Christian hope only matters if and only if Christianity is true. 
The last thing I would want my kids to think is that we're putting our hope in Jesus because an atheistic worldview is so bleak. Bleak things can be true things. We should never want to put our hope in Jesus simply because it makes us feel better. Christianity is not an emotional crutch, or at least it shouldn't be. We should only put our hope in Jesus because there are good reasons to believe that Christianity is true. Number three. The truth test for Christianity, since we're speaking of whether or not it's true, is the resurrection. That previous point should lead us to ask how we would know if Christianity is true. In other words, we need to know what an appropriate truth test is. Unfortunately, this is where a lot of people go wrong today. They stop believing in Jesus because they haven't experienced a certain answer to prayer, they haven't experienced God in the way they'd like, or any other kinds of reasons that really have nothing to do with whether or not Christianity is true. The Apostle Paul gives us the actual truth test for Christianity in 1 Corinthians 15.14. He says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. In other words, the truth test for Christianity is the resurrection. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, we can pack our Christian bags and go home. That brings us to number four. There is much evidence for the resurrection. You know, I spent hundreds of hours in church growing up and never once heard any quote-unquote evidence for the resurrection, historically speaking. Based on what I hear from parents today, things haven't changed much in most churches. But if this is the ultimate test of truth for Christianity, and it's the target of much mockery in our culture, it's a tragedy that Christians overwhelmingly aren't equipped to articulate why we have good reason to believe it's true. In my most recent book, Talking With Your Kids About Jesus, which actually came out a year ago today, I have a section of six chapters that go through this evidence for parents to discuss with their kids. It includes questions like these. Why does it matter if Jesus was resurrected? What historical evidence is there for Jesus' resurrection? Was Jesus' tomb really empty? Did Jesus' disciples lie about the resurrection? Were Jesus' disciples mistaken about the resurrection? Did people invent the resurrection many years later? These are questions every child should grow up being able to answer. If you're interested in learning more about that book, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Number five, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we have meaningful hope that should change how we live our lives. So if Jesus was raised from the dead, and we have every reason to believe he was, it validated that he was who he claimed to be, God himself, and confirmed that we can trust in his promises of eternal life. An eternal life where every tear will be wiped away and suffering and death will be no more, as Revelation 21.4 says. That is a hope worth hungering for. That's a hope that should change how we see everything in this life, as long as we're not full on the world. One of the greatest gifts that we can give our kids on Easter is a more profound sense of the earthly hopelessness that the COVID pandemic honestly has shown a light on. As things start to get better and we start to get back to our normal lives, let's not let go of what we can take away from this whole experience and what it brought to light for all of us. When our kids understand hopelessness, that's a gift that will better whet their appetites for hungering after Jesus the rest of their lives. 
Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope you have a blessed Easter. I have so many great episode topics coming up in in future weeks. And so if you're enjoying the show and you're looking forward to more, do me a favor and leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you're using that platform. It really helps more people to find out about the show. Also, if you have any episode requests, something that you would like for me to talk about in the future, or even a personal question that you would like me to address through the podcast, go ahead and send me an email. You can reach me at Natasha, N-A-T-A-S-H-A, at NatashaCrane.com, and Crane is spelled C-R-A-I-N. I look forward to hearing from you, and I will talk with you soon. Thanks so much.